This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Okay, Howleys, welcome to Daylight Savings Time in November. Now, Howleys is a derogatory term that Hawaiians use to refer to mainlanders like us when we come over there, and we're morons. And my friend JJ, who's from Hawaii, and he was also in the band Sent by Ravens, sent me that one. Thank you, JJ. Thank you for listening. Now, Hawaii doesn't have the same problem with daylight that we do here where I live in Seattle. Hawaii is near the equator, so they get about 12 hours of daylight every day. But here in Seattle, when the daylight savings time changes, it gets dark at a ridiculously early time, and it's depressing. It's like 4.30, 4.45, and it's already almost dark out. It's totally dark by 5 o'clock right now, and that's pathetic. But let me tell you what's not pathetic is how many people listen to share, like, and support this podcast and all the stuff that Bad Christian is doing. We've had incredible first weeks for King's Kaleidoscope and Classic Crime. Thank you for that. And we've had a real, real notable amount of people that have supported this podcast and what we do financially with recurring payments, and that's awesome. And so we call that the BC Club. Now, Next week, we have an ebook called The M Word coming out, and everybody in the BC Club gets it for free. Let me tell you what else. If you're not in the BC Club, you still get it for free. But here's our idea we give everything we can, like this podcast, away for free, and we think that if anybody wants to pay for it or think it's worth actual money, they should pay for it. And we're going to leave that up to you guys, but we want our content to go out to as many people as possible, so that's why we're going to make it free. But. All the people that think it's worth more than zero, who really believe in what we're doing or are entertained by it, yeah, you should kick us some money. That would be awesome. It'll help us do a ton more stuff. We got a lot of plans. We got a lot of stuff we want to do, and we've been overwhelmingly supported already. So all I got to say is keep it up, Bad Christian folks. No matter what, your belly will always be bigger than mine. No matter what, your belly will always be bigger than mine. Here we go, here we go. Three, two, one, hit it. Bad, bad Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. Yet again, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Matt, Toby, and Joey. No matter what, your belly will always be bigger than mine. And it will be. It always will be. And that refers to Joey, I imagine, right? We, I mean, we actually have a, a co-worker, and he happens to be a friend of ours, too, Andy Gill. And I, I can't get away from these fat jokes. I mean, I said something about Toby being fat, and he looked at me, and he said, now he's he has a visual of me and Toby at, this, at that very moment. He says, he looks right at me and says, I listen to the podcast. <laughs> I know who's fat and who's not. <laughs> I'm like, Andy, look at me. I'm not fat. I feel like I've given you freedom. <laughs> Yeah. Like you can eat whatever you want yeah, right you now, and nobody is like, yeah, that's Joey. 
<laughs> so that's, that's, that's Joey. I love that dude on the podcast. <laughs> so we used it as a crutch early on in order to just have something to do or some go-to stuff. But, I, I mean, I'd really have to hand it to me and Toby. We've definitely found other ways to make fun of you other than just your weight to actually make the podcast go on Yeah, y'all forward, stuck so. it out, though. Y'all stuck the fat jokes out. Well, people just like it so much. I mean, I feel, you know, I, here, I'm indifferent to it, but here's people the only, love it. The only thing that makes me feel uncomfortable is when people actually think I'm uncomfortable. Oh, like yeah. When people are just like, man, those guys really are hard on you. I just want to be like, yeah, we're all friends. I don't really care. But they actually <laughs> feel bad for you, you mean? Yeah, like yeah. this person uh, wrote us, and the first part's really cool. Uh, I think so. It says, they just wrote us, and this guy, is he just joined the BC club, and... Um, I thanked him, and then he emailed me back and said, things are actually going good. I've been taking my son to church, and he loves it, never wants to go home. I still haven't spoke to anyone, <laughs> but haven't found it necessary yet. Can truly say that without your podcast, I wouldn't have gone back to church. So you guys have helped me out. I think it's good that you guys tell people that they need church though, because I'm pretty sure Matt and Toby are slightly retarded. I'm sorry you have to deal with them. <laughs> well, he says, just kidding. Anyway, uh, thanks, brother. But that was like a really ab abrupt transition there. Into our retardation? Right. Yeah. Well, I, the thing about it is, I think uh, I, we've said it many times, with, but there's a culture that incidentally we've created that people feel the need to insult us when they talk to us, just to be honest. <laughs> They, hey, they say well, every email, every Facebook message says, hey, how's it going, dickheads? I love your podcast. I mean, people cuss I around me all the time, and I can always tell that they're doing it on purpose. Not always, but I can tell when I'm talking to somebody who uh, or knows who I am or whatever, and they throw cuss words in there like it's the first time they've said them. Like they just use them in a way that I'm like, I don't think you talk that way. But yeah, I think, it's it like the, I think it's funny. Like I'll be talking to potential future podcast guests, and – like the first one's always kind of nice, and then as, after we go back and forth, they're like, "Hell yeah, man, kicking ass! Man, that's <laughs> yeah. so damn cool!" Like, you know, yeah. But nobody ever really throws in the rough ones, you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. I, <laughs> hey, how do how do we how do we rest? The, Toby and I, we get a kick at at our staff meetings. We try to kick off the first minute with as much Christianese as we possibly can. So I think this teeters on Christianese. How do we wrestle with this tension? of people emailing us things that I think are pretty cool that happened. And Matt, you're always kind of a a good, I don't know if you want to call it like a bullshit meter or what, but but you're very hesitant for us to appear as to brag on ourselves and, hey, look at us, look at what's happening because yeah, of, of course. us. How, how do we why calibrate would, why, that? My perception is that you always want to talk about bad Christian, and my belief is that we just are bad Christian, so whatever we talk about is what it is. I don't well, care. Well, no, 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 no. That, see, to me, reading that email was not talking about bad Christian. It's something cool that has happened with someone who listens to the podcast. Well, as long as that's you explaining to Toby and I, and we're just having a conversation about it, that's fine. But I, I don't need, I don't feel the need to make a lot of justifying proclamations about the things that are happening right. around our organization so that everybody knows it and they can get in and support us. I don't really, that's not really what I think. I agree with you. So, hey, guys, listen up. Bad Christian is, is probably the most influential Christian Christian blog at this point we're bringing in thousands and thousands of <laughs> listeners our uh, Matt's blog post recently what one point million views I mean it was on on <laughs> one <laughs> one point <laughs> million <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking 1.5 in my well, head. We've, well we've been talking about this I think the thing is is we just want 
to be ourselves. And I don't, I guess I don't want to talk about ourselves that much either because we're just doing what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like there's no need to talk about it. It's just do it. And I, and we might be totally wrong. So we're just being ourselves. And if people want to support us, that's awesome. If they like what we're doing, that's awesome. But we don't want to, I just don't want to be a teacher and hey, listen to what I'm saying, and this is going to better you because it might. Yeah, that's not. the pro- that's a big problem. A lot of what church and pastors, yeah, but and here, teachers here's are doing, here's what we do though is we actually we see bad Christian as not Matt, Toby, and Joey. We see it as all of the our volunteers. Of we see it as all the people <laughs> that listen, all the people that give, and so we tell the asshole emails that we get of someone trashing tooth and nail and asking why hasn't revival broken out. And we also tell the stories of people that have gone back to church because they feel like they've been kind of jerks. And you know what I'm saying? So I just think that the full story of bad Christian is also people that listen and read. I mean, that's what we're about. That's fine. Sure. We just don't, we don't, we're not, I I, I just would never want anybody to think that we're trumpeting. Hey man, we are something like, you know, that we are world changers and we're the difference and we're going to change things in a sense of that. We would love to change Christian culture, for example, or, you know, just certain aspects of what church is in our daily life right now. Yeah. Uh, and, but at the same time, I don't want to talk about that because I know a lot of people are trying to do to do that stuff and God's going to use whoever he wants to. How about but, this? Go ahead. But at the same time, I mean, we do get emails like this. I was going to read this one for, for you guys. This is from Jared. Um, I still don't know if I'm supposed to read people's last names. They it's might Jared. It, it's Jared Wilson, Pastor Jared. Wilson. No, it's not. It's Jared from Subway. <laughs> yes, yeah, Jared from Subway. He, he's writing you. <laughs> he says he'd like to do an intervention with you and get you help. Now, this is a, a new listener, Jared. He says, "Hey guys, I'm a fairly new listener to the podcast, and I really enjoy it. And all the transparency that you guys have been doing, I just listened uh, and uh, how you guys are." All about Jesus, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) He said, I just listened to Mike from Prada episode, and he wanted to chime in on the drinking thing. He said, just to kind of set the stage, last June, uh, I checked myself into rehab for alcoholism, among several other things. I had hit rock bottom and completely walked away from God. Through rehab and the love of my wife, I came to a real and beautiful relationship with God. Once out of rehab, I made a decision that I was not going to drink again. I've been sober for one year and four months. Congratulations, Jared. We support you, man. We are glad. I know that's tough, but we do uh, are excited that you're able to do that. That's a big, tough road that you're walking down. That being said, I don't have a problem with the act of drinking. My wife still has a glass of wine or a beer every once in a while. I do believe getting drunk is a sin, but I have no problem with drinking. I have enough faith in my recovery that if I truly wanted to, I could probably have a beer or two in a controlled environment and be just fine, but I've just made the choice not to. I believe for my own life that alcohol is a temptation for me, and it always will be, so I choose to not put myself in a situation where I could give in to that temptation. I think that same philosophy philosophy ph- <laughs> I think that same philosophy can be applied to anything in life, whether it's porn, drinking, gambling, or whatever. And I think you have to look at your own life and decide what will cause you to stumble. And he says, I think that Christians focus way too much on other people's sin instead of focusing on their own. Uh, and I just thought that was really cool because we kind of – I thought it was – when talking with Mike, I mean, it going back and listening to it, it felt like potentially somebody could take what we were saying as condoning drunkenness even, yeah. right? That that would be a good thing or whatever. And I think overall what we were saying is having a uh, a few drinks before a show could be bad even. And, and we've all drank too much. But I think at the same time what this guy's saying is really cool is he I, – what I liked about it is he's looking at his sin and he's not looking at somebody else's. But why would you immediately – chastise somebody for drinking too much or whatever when they haven't asked your opinion 
Yeah. That's all you have. You don't have judgment. You just have an opinion. Yeah. You can say what God you can you can even say what God says about a certain subject, but yeah. you, you only have an opinion. God's the judge. Yeah. yeah, that's that's right. I saw a quote on Twitter that was good. I don't know who it was from, but it might have been Uberfax for all I know. But it says we judge other people based on their actions, but ourselves on our intentions. And that's a pretty good example of that. that that's a, another way of saying we don't focus on our sin. You know, but the rules are real clear when you look at them for other people and say, well, I think he's wrong or I think he's in sin or whatever. But it's just a person that's trying to get it right, and that's where they landed. I think that, for instance, on that topic, I think my wife might have drank too much last night. Nice, man. Magic. <laughs> which, sometimes, which sometimes works out nicely. <laughs> <laughs> so last night we went to, this is great. I want to tell you guys this, paint this picture for you because it was completely awesome. Uh, <laughs> last night was the King's Kaleidoscope CD release show. So it, and uh, it was awesome. It was Where like was it one at? Of the, it was at the Crocodile Cafe in That's Seattle. Cool. Yeah, That's classic. Yeah. So we've seen explosions in the sky there we saw local h there toby and i did a long yeah. time ago it's a, a legendary classic seattle rock venue and so king's kaleidoscope cd released there last night pre-sold out 500 people downtown nice. seattle for the, and this is the day of their first full-length album release and then yeah. rolled into that is that everybody I could possibly ever know uh, was there since Kings used to be a Mars Hill band. It was at Ballard and Tooth and Nails putting out the record, you know, Bad Christians involved. So it was like one of the coolest events possible because everybody there knew everybody. And I took pictures of people that listened to the podcast and uh, sat with Brandon Ebel was there, even though he watched a lot of the Cowboys Redskins game in the bar. That's where he was (laughs) because he's a Cowboys fan. So I hung out with Ebel for a while and uh, just just everybody gave like 90 million people hugs and it was really awesome to see them be able to play their first you know real show as a real band with a record out and it's already sold out and people just love it awesome. so it was totally incredible hats that, off to chad and that crew yeah so, so the king's classic record is out pick it up um but yeah so the, they said the bar sales were pretty low given the scenario because there's a lot of all ages people and it definitely was a lot of church people and a christian crowd overall and then, you know, King's songs are basically worship songs. So it was just an unbelievably cool environment. But Bridget uh, had a couple of beers while we were there, and she might have had one before we went. She's pretty lightweight. But uh, it, I just can't get over this. I tried to take a picture of it, but it was too dark. Um, we're, Bridget and I are standing in front of the bar, and it's late in King's set. And so they come on, and they're doing an encore, and they're playing like all creatures worship song. And my, w- my wife is, is singing singing all creatures with with a beer in one hand and her other hand raised up to God singing the worship song (laughs) 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 along with along with a whole bunch of other people in the venue it was just it was a sight to behold indeed it was really a really cool thing (laughs) so so she definitely was in a good spot in her mind well, right she does. Right? I'll put it this way: she doesn't often raise her hands and sing loudly at church. <laughs> <laughs> but she was she was definitely into it last night. It was special, though. It really was. It was kind of a magical, special night. So it was great. So congratulations to those guys. And do we yeah. know how the uh, album is doing at this point? Uh, we don't at this point. The first week numbers for how well it did, where it, where it, what will be on SoundScan, we'll know next week, and we'll probably report. I don't know if we'll report those yeah. on the show. And while not, we're at it, they'll just, be out there. But as of right now. 
it's just now it is the first week as we yeah. record this. The show was last night, so we do know that they were number two on the uh, iTunes charts behind Crest, Casting Crown yesterday. So that's wow, cool. that's yeah, cool. screw Casting Crowns, man. Yeah. you guys help. Yeah, screw Toby. Can't even say it. <laughs> Crasting Counts. And uh, <laughs> while we're at it, Classic Crimes album came out as well, which is. Uh, pretty unbelievable album so big 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 week for the music label bad christian joey so you, never, you never really listen to classic crown for are you actually a fan now or not i really like that album what do you, you have guys, to say that huh do you have he to, say, to that? say that he's compelled to yeah i point. have to but how, how do i how do i convince <laughs> you guys at this point that i mean it too <laughs> like there's no way i can i mean is there any way i can convince you guys that not only do i have to say it but i mean it I hear you. I have to say that. I have to I say believe that. I, mean you. I believe you. And let me also report back that so far, nobody has, uh, is pending our experiment from last week, nobody has told Bridget about her iPad screen, nor has she apparently listened to the podcast yet. So good job on everybody keeping your mouth has it shut. Been, has that. it been fixed? I was going to ask you that. Did you fix the iPad? Yeah, I got it back. It's fixed. It's fine. Okay, well then, I have a question too, thinking about that, because, okay, so I... Something happened to yesterday, and I was like, oh, Wait, yeah. is this news with Toby right now? No, this isn't news with Toby. I was thinking about how you, like, got a deal from Target, and that was kind of, in retrospect, I was thinking that, I guess that could be wrong. Like, you You, you mean when I got a deal on my iPhone, I duped AT&T and then broke the iPhone screen and didn't tell my wife? Those two deceptions? Yeah. Well, no, you duped <laughs> also Target. I mean, you went to Target knowing that you did not have an upgrade, and then you actually finagled they your gave way. gave me one. Right, right. So, and you could have said, "Oh, you know what?" I, I did say, "I said if that's okay, then okay." Because so, I mean, I mean you, it. you basically, I mean, it, it's close to lying. Right? I'm gonna I agree with Toby on this. I didn't lie. I said, they said, "Hey, you knew? Said, did you know you didn't have an upgrade?" I just, I told him I don't know what my upgrade status is. <laughs> but you, did, is that true? Did you know what your upgrade I didn't status know, was? I, no, I, I knew that I was eligible. I didn't know how much it would cost. Like, I know it's like it would be probably more than 199 And then when they did it, they said, oh, that we weren't supposed to do it that way. And I said, well, is nobody going to get in trouble? And they said, no, it's okay. So I said, if that, well, as long as that's okay with y'all, then that's, you know, whatever. And they let me do it. So I don't yeah, know what okay, else I was okay, supposed so here's, to do. Here's, here's I didn't my trick question. them intentionally. So Jess went to a store here, I forget which store it is, but and bought some curtains for our, our house. And uh, the lady was like, oh, this is a good deal, blah, blah, blah. You know, so Jess bought, he, she bought like some curtains and a couple other things for our house. When she got home, she realized that the lady had only charged her $1 for each curtain. And there, <laughs> were, and there were a lot more than that. So now she's asking me, should she go back and tell them, hey, I think this is probably wrong. She thinks it's a, a lot more money for each curtain. And I said, well, I'm going to bring it up on the podcast and see what everybody says. So, yeah. Joey, what do you think? So she she basically thinks that she got a really good deal unintentionally. Yeah, she thinks that the no matter what, the price she saw did not it was not a dollar. Right. <laughs> like they would be, you know, they see, wouldn't be. At these, what place was this? Uh, I forget the store. Uh, Almond Pop or Chain or what? No, no, no. It's a it's a major store. I, I want to say it's like Bed Bath and Beyond or something like that. These are tough ones for me because of I have such a deeply rooted eternal perspective where it's so like these situations almost don't even matter. I'll tell you what I wouldn't do is if someone gave me an extra 50 cents for change and I recognize it two miles down the road, I'm just not going to turn down. the. I'm not going to turn the but car But do you think around. she should go all the way back over to Mount Pleasant and say, hey, I think I might have got a deal here? Here's Here's what I may would do if I were in her shoes is I would call them and say, look, you you guys gave me these for way less money than what they are. 
I would rather not drive all the way there, but I, I do want to just tell you so maybe you can fix your records or something like that. And then they would probably say, oh, that's our bad. Don't even worry about it. But if I were in her shoes, I wouldn't make a special trip all the way to Mount Pleasant. I mean. What, she feels bad? What's that? Well, she doesn't necessarily feel that bad, but she was just thinking, ah, maybe. Because we we felt really blessed lately, too, by the Lord. And she's thinking, you know, should we just honor the right and do the right thing because the right thing would be hey you made a mistake let me you know come clean on this right well take it back see what they say they'll laugh at her yeah i know i'm just thinking we probably won't yeah it just it seems like it's it just, just a doesn't mistake. matter nobody cares yeah, even nobody the cares. company the company doesn't even care the exactly. company wants her to be happy and they're like well we made a mistake just right. like they did with matt right it's just it's just one of those things to where you you can go the legalistic route and just cross all your T's and dot all your I's, but let's let's really take everything into consideration. Nobody cares. So I think it's a case by case. If you accidentally got a Lamborghini for like seventy five dollars, then maybe that would really have some impact. So you would judge <laughs> that. It'd be just as wrong, I suppose, but the impact would be more worth considering. But I don't think anybody really cares. But there's whole mental disorders that revolve around just that type of thinking. Like right. What I if something I did affected somebody, and how how far do you take it? And you know, if you overassess the ethics, then you, it winds up to be a form of obsessive compulsive disorder. Right. Like husband or wife don't accidentally have an affair, so there's a limit. Then I mean, that's what I'm saying. It is bad. Like, what if I said, "Oh man, I accidentally <laughs> cheated on Jessica." <laughs> I didn't realize. I would thought I was ordering French fries at a, this place, and, it and ended she up was being, a prostitute. It ended up being a prostitute, and I had sex. <laughs> and then she, I don't and then know. she overpowered you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just and you know, I thought I was paying. But you know, like Joey said, like Pastor Joey says, don't don't sweat the small stuff, Toby. Yeah, thank you, Pastor yeah. Joey. That's awesome. <laughs> it's because he has such a deeply rooted eternal perspective. Think about it. Think about it. Like think about all the hassle and hustle and all that stuff that we do, and it just doesn't matter. I mean, I just I can't I can't go there. I mean, I I don't know. There's just there's certain things where I'm just like, yeah, it just doesn't matter. But it would matter, like both of y'all kind of thought about thought about, like, because it's a big corporation. Now, if it was just a little tiny mom and pop shop, and thirty to fifty dollars or something meant a lot, y'all would go, "Oh, well, we need to help them out." But I mean, that's true in the ethical sense. But the problem is, you have to, you just no matter what, you can't overanalyze ethics forever. Down to did I step on a bug? Did this piece of paper fly out of my car? Like for example, let's say let's say I'm just measuring economic. Well, I'm just saying you're measuring the economic impact, are you not? Because Jessica didn't do a deception on purpose. So all, the only thing you're assessing is the fact that somebody was economically harmed inadvertently due to the indirect actions of your wife. So you're, you're, you've got a lot of stuff going on there. It's not as simple as she took something from somebody. All right, so, yeah, let's say I have a crazy busy week and I pick up, like, 15 pizzas for a church event. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, all joking aside, I have actually been going through a pretty significant season of depression. Wait, we have uh, to well, put all joking aside for this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's be no, serious. No, no, that's, no, that's that doesn't mean that you guys can't laugh and trip. It just means I'm not kidding. Okay. This okay. isn't a joke. All right. Get real um, with us, Pastor Joey. Yeah. So I talked about this in the podcast uh, in the summer, basically talked about how I was transitioning off of one medication because it was losing its effectiveness and was getting on another one. And some of the side effects of not being on it was getting some of my emotions back. Hey, I want to be delicate, but it is hard for me to, to hear this with your belly hanging out. 
Your hair is not hanging. Your hair. There was four inches of your no, belly hanging. Yes, it was, it Joey. You just fixed what are you it. Talking about. Matt, there was four inches of hairy belly just <laughs> staring me at the face as Joey's talking about. I've been going through this really rough time, and all I could see was his belly moving in and hey, out. Hey, hey. <laughs> so uh, the flip side of that, or the upside of that, is that I've kind of been able to to cry more easily and be more in tune with the, that emotional side of me, which I like. Uh, downside is just high level of irritability. Uh, and recently I've really, I, I've started to feel super OCD and just have had a really hard time shutting it off as far as just the things that I have to do. We, and, we don't, we don't ever talk about OCD. What do you mean OCD? Well, just, uh, I mean, I, it's probably too much to get into, but I mean, I definitely am OCD and obsessive compulsive, think about things too much, worry about things. So basically Is there I a can, specific thing? Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm just, unclear just, on that. It it can be very, very silly things. Um, well I just can, give us some examples if you don't mind. Um let's see. Like I can I can think of maybe something that I said to someone that I didn't really mean a certain way and it just eat at me like crazy one day and the very next day nothing in the situation changed but i'm totally fine with it because i just see it for what it is i see you know so it's it's just my mind doesn't handle certain things um like i told priscilla and this is really silly and i, I honest i say this but i i mean it i don't mind joking around about this because it is silly but there's like one thing where i just couldn't stop double checking something on my phone like it was a a budget thing. I have a budget app on my phone and there was just like a transaction that I did in the bank a long time ago and then did something with a, a CD uh, transfer. And I just want to make sure my record keeping was straight. And even though I knew it was straight, I just kept checking it. And I was just like, what? I know that it's it's okay. I know that I have it accurate in my mind. So here's the thing. As I was telling Priscilla, I was like, look, you know, with me not being on medication and not going into the new medication, I can I can start coming up with ways of coping with OCD and my irritability. Like I can start telling when it's coming on and just start doing things like shutting stuff off, stop thinking about certain things. And I really felt like I was just going to be in a season of learning how to manage those sorts of thoughts. But then it just started snowballing and then it turned into depression and then it just was... Like this past weekend was super, super rough. Um, just super, super sad. Um, you know, I usually enjoy leisure time, especially when I'm by myself and just kind of being able to do what I want to do. And I was just completely miserable. Ironically enough, I woke up this morning just feeling way better, like not dealing with a lot of those things. So anyway, the main reason for bringing this up, and I was going to share this with you guys. We were meeting about Bad Christian on the phone, but I just... I think we were all pretty busy and I didn't want to go into it. Yeah, I don't have time for you. Go ahead. <laughs> keep going. But uh, I was thinking I was at church Sunday and I, it was hard. I had to put on my game face. And uh, I mean, I truly love people, but I wasn't motivated to be around people, to talk to people or anything like that. You really have to muster up a lot of just, OK, I'm going to do it sort of thing. <clears throat> and I thought about how Toby and I were pretty zealous about people you know, being the church. And there's a lot of people that will come on a Sunday morning and, you know, claim Christianity. And I do believe they're Christians, but never take any more additional steps in being in a small group or serving inside the church, uh, like serving one another or serving, 
you know, people that aren't in the church and it gets frustrating. And sometimes we'll, we'll talk about it a good bit or we'll really encourage people to join small groups. And I feel like I was in a position to where I'm the pastor of this church. And if I was not, and I was attending, my state of mind would have resisted anything. And it would have simply been, you guys are probably right. I'm probably wrong, but I don't care. Like, please leave me alone because I just cannot take any step further. It opened my eyes to the sympathy that I should entertain when it comes to people that are there on a Sunday morning. They're just like, please just leave me alone. Like, I I did all I could to even come, and I'm just trying to receive something, and don't make me feel bad about not doing something. Does that make sense, though? What I'm saying is not just seeing someone's action and assuming that you know the full picture. There's way more than meets the eye. And I think sometimes I'll look at someone who's not taking steps forward from just attending Sunday morning service and get in a small group or start serve. And I'll just assume, oh, they're lazy. Um, They just kind of see their schedules as too busy and they're just not going to do it. Well, I think you're right. But at the same time, I think there has to be a little bit on that person's uh they have to give a little bit too because I agree. If you're just coming to hear a sermon and get fed only, then it's just it seems a little empty and it seems a little unreal. And that I I can understand even what you're saying. Like, and I even want to be that way sometimes. But if it's all the time, that's when it's it's just not healthy. I mean, like like you said. I mean, like for example, you got really depressed this weekend, and probably one of the things was your wife was out of town. You were just your kids there, and you can't relate some of that stuff to your kids oh i totally did you just told them how depressed you were you're just (laughs) y'all are making me depressed (laughs) (laughs) this is your fault i'm this way you sons of bitches (laughs) i'm sad you sick pieces (laughs) all i'm saying is i still believe what i believe about being in community and that people do need to take those steps i personally and i won't say anything to you guys i personally need to take more into consideration because i was able to personally experience I don't want to be around anyone right now, and I don't care that it's wrong. Hey, and, that's great, man. Yeah, that's good. That you don't care about anything it being wrong. You just want to sin. You're unrepentant, right? Yeah, your <laughs> lifestyle choice is, is bad. Yeah, your lifestyle choice is unrepentant sin. Yeah. Yeah, all I'm saying is a case-by-case case, when me as a pastor am looking at when you okay when you as a worship leader yep. are frustrated because you see some dude that's just standing there that isn't you know singing and is just a bump on yeah. a log and you're just like will you please like just my pastor try is just eating a slice of pizza and I'm trying to worship <laughs> will you please just try to engage in this god that you believe in uh, maybe assume that they're just at a place where they have nothing to give and they just it, that's just where they're at. I know, if, but if I see that for six months in a row, I can't help for it to bum me out. I yeah, mean, when it's when it's 99% of the congregation and six months in a row, then maybe it's a little different. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. They just can't believe your beard, I guess. Uh, uh, the number one reason why I want to shave my beard is because everybody asks me about how long you've been growing it. <laughs> how long did it take you to grow that beard? Well, that's Are you going to shave it yeah. off? That's one of the like, biggest conversation pieces in the world. So if you don't this like is it, about, you got to shave it. Yeah, this is about the most bromance thing I could possibly say, but I really don't have a bromance with you, Toby. But okay. I've always told you this, man. You look really good with a goatee. I know. You've told me and, that since college. And that there I are look not, great with a goatee. And there are not too many guys that could pull that off. But every time you wear a goatee, I'm like, man, Toby's rocking that, man. <laughs> Goatees are not attractive. 
I don't. Well, no, okay. I, on some men, they are, but a lot of people they have goatees. I would say aren't. I'd say you're. If you can rock a goatee and look good, it's a it's a rarity. But if you can is, grow you facial can hair, it's a, it's to your benefit in a, in the way. Like you have to deal with body hair, Toby. I know, but anybody that can grow good facial hair the benefit is you can pull off all those different styles and and try them out whereas people well i've like told this me, to matt too here's what i don't what i don't understand is matt is is doesn't have much hair nope. he's not a hairy guy at all i can't even grow a beard or anything right i am covered in hair probably 95 percent of my body at least <laughs> is covered in hair i really believe that should burn calories I don't understand why that what, doesn't. The, you think the growing of a hair is burns enough calories that it should? Yeah. How much? Okay. Look at your front yard with grass in it, and yep. how much that energy that takes That's to true. keep it healthy and growing, and then it grow new ones. And I mean, it's just. I mean, I don't it understand why I don't get calories. anything. It does take calories, but just look at it this way: if you didn't have hair, you'd be even larger. That's all. <laughs> if you didn't grow that body hair, you'd be even bigger. My so. God, I didn't think of it that way, man. <laughs> Guys, let me ask you a question. Do you think the the world, especially for Christians, would be better if we had conversations as freely as this? Hey, last night I was looking at uh, BigJugs.com and I was whacking it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just want to tell you guys that I really feel bad and convicted after doing that, and I don't want to do that stuff. What do y'all think? Y'all think by the world, openness like, and honesty, you mean? Yeah, like a lot of times we stay hidden and we say stuff like, "Oh man, I I've had struggles look, lately. I've looked at some things. I've you know I shouldn't have have kind of you know some second looks." But what you're saying is when you when you say second look at a person, you're walking around and you take a second look at a female or male, whatever. Um, you're saying, man, I look at that ass. I wish I could have it. Or, ooh, look at those boobs. Or, you know, are, are the reason why you feel convicted and it not good is because you're thinking of it sexually, making it pornography. Pornography being anything, a mental image or an image that you use for sexual gratification, right? So I'm, I'm just saying, like, wouldn't it be better if we were just more open? And 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 my point with that being is. I think that's kind of the point with X3 Watch, that you can be open. What is X3 Watch? X3 Watch is Triple X Church has created this awesome software called X3 Watch, and basically it monitors your website activity. And it is really good because we all need a little bit of accountability. And like we've said a million times on this podcast before, when you get alone, you can go do some crazy things in your mind go to some crazy places in your brain and on the internet. It's so easy to sit on your computer, sit on your tablet, sit on your phone, and just look at things. And and honestly, within minutes, you've gone so far, you can, you can get to the most craziest pornography in the world in seconds these days. So you need more than just uh, after-the-fact uh, accountability. You need something that's there right then and there to say, hey, oh man, this is on my computer. I don't need to go here because I don't want to go here. That's why I installed this software on my computer. I don't want to look at these things. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for my marriage. Does it work on your phone too? How about that though? You just go crazy on your phone. Yes, it does. They have created a browser that you can use on your phone as well that stops you from going to the sites that you honestly are tempted to go to but don't want to go to. Well, I'm going to still look at porn on my tablet at least then. No, you can't do it because they've got that covered as well. So don't you dare look at pornography. Well, you can, but it'll just, well, just everybody's going to find out about it, man. So if you go, what do you mean by X, everybody? Well, your accountability partners that you set up. So when you set when it, we get emails, mm-hmm. uh, 
you can set that up for how often you get them, but I get them weekly, I guess, from uh, you guys, and it just tells me the sites that you've been to that are nefarious or things that you shouldn't probably go to. And, uh, and what's really cool about that is sometimes it even catches sites that aren't necessarily pornography sites, but are still a little iffy. So you visit x3watch.com forward slash bad Christian, and you can get half off the premium version of it there's also a free version so go there and check it out at least the free version and then we highly recommend especially with the deal you get from being a bad christian listener 50 percent off go check it out you could use and it we, and we want to applaud you guys because many of you guys are doing just that you're going to the site you're downloading the uh, computer software and so we just think that's neat Yep, thank you for supporting our sponsor because they've been very happy with our crowd and a lot of people signing up and everything. So we appreciate it, everybody. Keep it up. Yeah. All, so you, Toby, all you Christians out there, we're, we're just really glad that you have porn addiction and that we're able to have a <laughs> yep. sponsor that helps you stop that. <laughs> thank you for your pornography addiction that, that uh, helps sex slavery and keep people in bondage. <laughs> and, get, and, and our sponsorship. Thank you for your awful sin, you Christians. All right, now we're going to get to our guest. This is going to be really fun. This is Lacey Sturm from the band. She used to be in the band Flyleaf, and she has a new book out. And this is going to be a great interview, so stay tuned. Hey, hey, hey. EmoryVIP.com is the place that you need to go if you live anywhere between New Orleans, Louisiana, and Seattle, Washington. We've got tour dates coming up with Emory, the Classic Rhyme, and Artifacts Pareo. We only tour a couple of times a year. So you definitely need to make it out this. And this VIP is a one-of-a-kind thing. So let me tell you where we're coming. November 9th, we're going to be in Jefferson, Louisiana. Then Houston, Texas. Austin, Texas. Fort Worth. Phoenix, Arizona. San Diego, California. Los Angeles, Anaheim, and Sacramento, California. Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington. So what we're going to do with these shows is we're selling VIP tickets as well as general admission. But if you get the VIP, you come early, you meet us, hang out. We're going to play an acoustic set that's completely different from that night set. So it's all original stuff, all new stuff that, that the other people don't get to see in any way. It'll be very small and intimate, almost like a living room type of thing. We'll either do it in the middle of the venue or on the stage or backstage or even on our bus sometimes, depending on how many people it is. It's really fun. We enjoy doing it. Everybody that saw it on the last tour really liked it. So come see it. You can't miss it. Emory, Classic Crime, Artifacts Pareo, EmoryVIP.com. Yes. And we're back. All right. Hey, for a lot of our listeners, Lacey needs no introduction. You guys know her as the former lead singer of Flyleaf. Uh, some things going on with Lacey, though, is uh, she wrote a book, so we want to talk about that. She's, she's got a solo project that she announced recently, and uh, by the way, she's married to a dude named Joshua, and we talked to him for a second, so no wise ideas for you listeners uh, <laughs> trying to get in touch with her or anything like that. Lacey, That's how are you doing? That you would say that. Well, you, you, know you automatically assume that our listeners would automatically want to date her. <laughs> they don't want to just listen to what she has to say. <laughs> There's a handful, man. They don't care about you. Don't care about our listeners. <laughs> hey, hey, Lacey, this is true though. Like, uh, 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 we have several friends that listen to the podcast, and and they don't really care about the music guests we have but all of them told me they're like oh man this is the first guest Lacey's the first person that we actually know and we really are excited to hear from on the podcast and you're the second female we've ever had no, on the podcast. number three 
Who's the third? Oh, oh yeah, uh, Brittany. Brittany yeah. and yeah, sorry. So you're number three. Uh, so Why we do you have think not, that is? That's what we we're going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, can we? We'll talk about your book and some of that stuff too. But let's just talk about that. What uh, is that alarming to you? That in general, that there's less female guests on male-driven stuff, or do you think that's a problem out there? Well, I don't know if it's a problem. I think it's a problem that we don't um, have more all-girl stuff and all-guy stuff in general. I think. I think that there's a lack of that. <laughs> well, I mean, even even consider like your band. I mean, it's it's not, it's kind of it's yep. way more rare that a, a a female lead singer band really blows up and does great. And I mean, it, even the in the band world, it's kind of male dominated, don't you think? Yes. Well, when I when we first started, we first started touring. Um, I got kicked out of uh, f- several clubs because they didn't believe that I was in the band. They would say, are you in the band? Or are you with the band? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, gosh. And then I, w- I got kicked out of a dressing room, like physically, like pushed me out the door. <laughs> the door because they thought you were a girl that was that was hanging out with or trying to hang out with the band. So they were just they didn't yeah. even assume you could be the lead singer or a band member. Huh? Yes. And then there's also the problem when you would go to really just just like, you know, dark dirty dingy club or whatever and and we we're, we we come on stage and they don't expect a girl to be up there mm-hmm. and so when they see you immediately it's like start yelling uh profane things and and telling you to do things and <laughs> you're not there to do and you say um that's the club down the street that's not this one so uh, we're we're here to play a rock show <laughs> gosh i didn't even I, you know what that's funny uh, it just shows you how ignorant i am but i didn't even think about that like you're trying to go on stage especially i guess if you guys were like the opening band or something like that and then just some of the audience just says just the worst things to you huh that- yeah yeah that's that was pretty normal i mean we're in a bar and, yep. uh, yeah. People, people have a certain mentality when they go to some of those bars. <laughs> did you guys tour mostly in bars and secular type uh, venues? Is that where you guys did the most stuff as Flyleaf? Yeah, we didn't start doing Christian. Show. We weren't actually embraced from the by the Christian community as a whole. Even our own church was didn't understand what we were doing. And, um, did they think you guys were devil music, or just they were confused? Well, they in were general. they were they were saying, "Why would you?" want to bring our youth group to a bar (laughs) and and so in the but our one of the our jared our guitarist his dad was a deacon at at the church there and they had several meetings that were focused around our band and whether or not we should be allowed to play there like we wanted to play a show one time for the youth and um and there was all kind of you know um controversy about that we play in bars and Anyway, why did you want to take the youth group to a bar? That's where I'd be. Okay. <laughs> That's where I was before I, before I, um, I hated Christians. I hated church. I would never have gone to a church to hear a band. I still do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But no, I, I think, do you think people are just scared that like, do you, and obviously, I mean, like you guys wanted to play for the church and then you said, you know, they, they, so they were questioning because, you had played at a bar, what would influence you would have on the youth? But I mean, that is just such a fear based thing, don't you think? I mean, they're just scared that you're going to what be stronger than Jesus and the bar the bar will beat Jesus. Is is that what you think they were well, saying? <laughs> I didn't I personally I didn't care if the youth group went to the bar. I was wanting to play for the people in the bar. <laughs> I didn't want yeah. to play for the youth group kids. And that was just my own thing. And and you know, we had our ba- our original bass player 
he didn't understand. I mean, the guy who actually said, hey, I heard you're looking for a band. You want to come play um, guitar and sing in my pool house with my friends? And I said, sure. You know, I was about to give up on looking for a band at that time. And he called that day. I decided to quit. <laughs> he said, hey. And I thought, okay, well, maybe this is a sign. <laughs> so I went so I went over and we, he's a really good bassist, but their family was very conservative. Like his mom was like, just super conservative. I never heard anything like it before. Like she was upset with him because he came and picked me up and uh, I'd ridden in the car with him by myself. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what planet are you guys from? I don't even understand what's happening. Like I have no idea how to respond to what's happening. <laughs> like she was upset and. Um, I said to her, you don't have any male friends? She said, no. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I, I don't know what to say to that. I don't know. I never heard of such a thing. And so um, <clears throat> later on, he ended up leaving the band, which was a good thing because he he was not on board with wanting to play in a bar. And I thought that was cool that it worked out that way because I think that's where we were supposed to go. And there's people that are supposed to go to church and supposed to play in church and supposed to play for the youth group and they would have a hard time in a bar <laughs> and yeah. me personally i people looked at me like i was crazy when i would they're like why is she so angry or what's wrong with her why is she why does her music sound so sad and they just didn't understand you play in a bar and they're like yeah all right <laughs> so it was it was good to know where we were supposed to be yeah. Is that true? Like I, I've said that exact same thing that you just said, and and I've really been questioning. Like lately, I really have been asking myself, where did I hear that from? Is that true? Do I believe that? Like, are are bands supposed to play not at bars? Like, I mean, like, is that is that mm -hmm. where, where where do you think that idea comes from? And and the reason why I say that is because here's what I really believe. There was a long time ago when Emory started, and we got all we were put on a tour that was mostly churches, and it was unbelievable. I mean, seriously, they we were no names. They put us in super nice hotels, gave us two or three rooms each, mm -hmm. wonderful green rooms. There was a a just an audience that was there of like a few hundred people, mm -hmm. and it felt like just the most fake thing in the world. Uh -huh. And I and I realized pretty early on that it was the the kids had to be there. That's where their parents are going to take them. You know, <laughs> but when true. you but, but when you play at a bar, somebody's paying a door fee or you know, mm -hmm. has to buy a drink or whatever it might be. So they they they're like I'm going to be here. Mm -hmm. I'm paying to be. I'm I'm going uh, this is real for me. And so I think that fakeness like that idea of somebody just going, "Oh yeah, well I'm just supposed to be here for a youth group." I, I mean, I guess I can see it. And Joey, you might can mm -hmm. chime in on this too, having been a youth pastor and, and stuff as well, but does isn't that just fake? Like you just get to play for people because they have to be there. Right. <laughs> they're, they're, There's no they're Capitalistic market right. pressure, nothing. You don't have to be good. You just yes. have to be a youth group yeah. band to get hired to play for the youth group and, and get taken care of. You have and to be you, safe. And then you get fake youth group mosh and stuff. You know, they don't know. <laughs> Oh, totally. So, I mean, there's no, there's no, it's kind of offensive to me as a musician and try to make our music good enough that somebody would buy a ticket for it, that mm -hmm. there, that you can be a kind of band where there, it, there's no supply and demand drive to how good you are. It's just, you get to play at a church. I think it depends on from the band's perspective. Do you care or not? Cause like yeah, you the said, motivation. If you're get, you yeah, mean, if you're do you care whether or not like, people actually like you? Okay. Mm -hmm. No, that's what I'm saying. Some people wouldn't, if they're making money and they're staying in nice hotels and the kids are saying, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's fine. What's, cra what's crazy though, is I've seen so many bands that did the church t circuit 
and they die out. They just they because they, they, they don't actually have a fan base. It's just oh, we got to do this. The church has paid for us because it was a Saturday night where the ki- where the parents get to drop off the kids and yeah. know there won't be any drugs or alcohol and uh, at least suppose, <laughs> supposedly yeah. supposedly. And then it's just that that idea is frustrating. Like the idea of hey, yeah, you guys maybe you're supposed to be in a bar or something because you know you hit it big or you made it famous, but you know we're supposed to be in a church. I I do wonder that because I've said that same thing. Hey man, there's some bands that are supposed to play at the youth group, and then there's bands like us that are supposed to play at the bar. And I'm like, no, it should. It probably should be both, right? You should play yeah. wherever you want, and hopefully people like your music because that's you're trying to honor God with it. Same way as a, I mean, you pay for a plumber to come to your house because you wanted to be a kick-ass plumber and do a great <laughs> job. You know what I mean? Like, hey, my husband's I, I'm not, a plumber. <laughs> oh, is he really? <laughs> my well, husband's family, his family business. Yeah, that's and that's awesome. what I'm saying. I, I want to. So he's a Christian I wanna, plumber. That's exactly what they are. Okay, that's why people hire. <laughs> hey, when when he when he does plumbing work at a Christian's house, do they say, "Hey, will you please say the name of Jesus yeah. while he's yeah. fixing my pipe"? Uh, there's a lot of prayer in plumbing, that's for sure. <laughs> so, Lace, Lacey, your, so your book is called The Reason, and uh, you said a minute ago b- before that when you uh, got into this or before this time, you weren't a Christian at all. Um, what what is this book about? Um. Well, it's about my journey, I think, to my perspective of hating people mm-hmm. and hating myself and hating life and um, not believing in God at all and hating the idea that people would believe in something that was going to not be safe in the end. That, you know, like wh- wh- how I came to that perspective and then um, how I had an encounter with God that changed my perspective on people. And how old, how old were you in that you had that encounter? 16. 16. And what, at 16, what led you to already like hate people? Cause I can resonate <laughs> with that really well. <laughs> Hating people comes very naturally and easily to me. Mm-hmm. So like at 16, when you say you hated people, that, that's a pretty serious statement. What does that mean? Why, why did that happen? Well, I hated people unless they hated other people Then I liked them. <laughs> Um, uh, what happened, what happened was, uh, my mom, I mean, we grew up and it was a tough time for us. My mom was a sick, uh, she was a single mom. Um, she was a teen mom. She had, she had my brother when she was 15 and me when she was 16. And, um, and then, uh, by the time I was 14, 14 years old, I think there was, there were six of us. I think it was around 13 or 14, there were six of us, and, um, and we still were struggling, we had, we didn't have place to live a lot of times, we, we didn't have, uh, food to eat, and my mom always talked to me about God, but it was like, if God wasn't real, we wouldn't be here, is what she would always say, you know, like, and I'd, and I'd watch miracles happen, how we got food, and people would be really generous, and in a, in a miraculous way, out of nowhere, right when we needed it, and you know, our car would break down and we'd walk miles to the gas station and somebody would just, just, you know, give us money to, in a gas can and a ride back and, you know, just things like that. Um, and so I did believe at first when I was real little, I, I thought, yeah, sure. There's a God and who is scary. You know, you have to obey him or, or, uh, you're going to get beat. <laughs> you have to obey your mama. Um, and I, that was, that's the way I, I thought about God. But then when I was 10 years old, I also felt like I just thought God cared about people. You know, I, I talk about this in my book is when I was 
10, I had, um, I was laying on the bed on the couch downstairs and the TV was on at my grandma's house and it was like real late and 700 club was on and Pat Robertson was telling about how there were these starving kids, um, in Africa and how you can help them. And, and after everything I'd went through and how I know what it's like to be hungry, I just all of a sudden was put in my place like, Oh my gosh, how can I help them? Cause there's it's so much harder for them. They don't even have a mom. They're yeah. orphans. You know, they live on the street. They don't even have somebody to help them. And I just cried. And I was 10 years old. And I'm like, I want to help. And they're like, call and give money. And so I don't know how old you guys are. But at the time when I was there, you know, there was like a, a phone right above my head. And to use a phone was cool when you're like 10 years old and you don't have no <laughs> friends to call. <laughs> and there's like a 1-800 number that's free and you can call and give yep. money or you can call and receive Jesus who and pray for these kids who because Jesus loves kids and he's going to help them if you pray. So I said, oh, I'm going to call and receive Jesus as my savior. And I did that. And it was that same year that um, my cousin, who was three years old, at the time his mother had lived with us she was a teen mom as well um that's my mom's sister she so he was like part of our family like our immediate family and then she ended up with this other guy and they moved moved away and that same year he his stepdaddy the guy she married beat him to death beat that little boy to death he was three and, and i remember thinking my mom was you know um really real with us she never sugarcoated anything uh, she just told that us like it was always since I don't remember her ever talking to me like a little kid um but she told me what happened and and I just thought well there's probably no such thing as God then and, yeah, I, yeah. and I thought God loved kids and I thought Jesus loved kids and and how could he let that happen so there's probably not the God yeah. and um I stopped believing in in that at that time, and I also made a commitment in myself. Like I was, I kept thinking, "Why am I alive and he's not? How come he died and I'm still here? How come he had this happen to him and it didn't happen to me? And why couldn't I help him?" And and so I had I had thought about death since I was little, since then, but also this kind of longing to of solidarity with suffering is just like I, I kind of still have that a little bit like if somebody doesn't eat I don't want to you know I just kind of have that weird thing that just stays with me like well I feel bad um having a pair of shoes when somebody else doesn't so I'm that weird person that goes around without shoes on just to say you know not everybody has shoes you know people do that sometimes I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of person yeah. that that's just and so in my in me and trying to have some kind of loyalty to my cousin I always felt like it was important for me to stay close to death somehow and always um be sad for him like yeah. I remember the day I came back to school I talk about this in my book too just how it was sunny and everybody was singing and laughing and whatever they do at school and I just was so angry and everybody's so happy and whatever and talking about things and smiling and you know wearing colorful clothes. And I just hated that. I thought that's wrong. He, you know, how can you be happy in a, in a world where children get beaten to death? And I just hated that. I just felt like it was a deception and it was either naive and ignorant or it was, it was deceiving. Do you think that's where a lot of people are coming through, through middle school and high school when you see, you know, the, the, 
the outcast or the goth or the punk association and you know depressed teens and stuff like that you think they're coming from a similar place is that who you identified with well that's what i thought um i guess we all have our reasons but for me personally it made me cynical of anyone who wasn't already cynical (laughs) so so probably through that time the happy-go-lucky uh cheerful fake christian disposition was one that you you had a lot of not a lot of like for i would imagine yeah, no, like, um, I never heard anything that re- that I could relate to in my own life, except that my mom was a single mom. Where's my dad? Am I a bastard child? And, you know, this, all this weird feelings that you just get when you, when you hear this is how things are supposed to be and they're not for you. Um, and then everybody's dressed a certain way and we don't have this kind of clothes. So it just felt very natural for me to be hanging out with kids. Yeah. And so you did so you hated Christians as a result and and that kind of thing. You thought they were silly hated, or it was I fake. Felt like, yeah, I felt like Christians were the worst at at minimizing without even knowing your situation, minimizing and and being ignorant about it. I just felt like they were naive and ignorant and if they weren't they were just um fake. It's very fake. Yeah. Yeah. What was the big change? So, I mean, if you were going through all this and kind of just totally Mm -hmm. disassociating yourself from Christianity, kind of feeling just like it was just silly, a big fake thing, what, what in the world changed? Well, I I sort of had a death wish anyway, but if you told me something was a sin, I would go do it just so you don't control me because I didn't believe in God. And I just felt like that was, that concept was so control, control people and my rebelliousness and whatever. Joey, Joey still does that, but with eating. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> so I, so I would do that. And the truth is I just was tearing up my soul inside. Like I just felt like worn out and tired. And that's what it yeah. makes you feel like when you dive into things that are not good for your soul. And so I just felt, I felt that every day. And the more that I would try to ignore it or gloss over it with some new drug or new, you know, relationship or new, you know, something that's just distracting me from how crappy I feel and pointless. Because if you don't believe in God, like, I just feel like for me, I had to make my own purpose and and I wasn't that interested in it. You know, I, I, I made it up as I went and I, I would make my morals as I went and they changed as I changed, you know. And and so the the thing that always followed me was this concept of things. There are things that are true, whether we like them or not. And I, this this there was this back thing in the back of my head going, but what what is the truth, whether I like it or not? You know, um, and I really did seek that out. Like I really was searching for that. And I thought that what I, you know, there were some things that was just, you know, just me making up stuff and I knew it, you know, <laughs> like, oh, well, you know, we'd sit and philosophize about, about what, what the meaning of life was or about God or making yeah. up our own religions. But it was just, it was just that it's like, like, um writing a play or writing a story or something it's i mean and we knew it but there is this plaguing thing always with me that like what is true whether i like it or not what is going to happen when i die and yeah and um that's really interesting that you say that because i have been in the exact same place when i've thought about my faith over the years because i grew up super conservative very small church in south carolina and then when i got to high school 
my my dad, who was a preacher's kid, uh, quit going to church basically, and and we didn't go to church anymore because my my papa had retired, and mm-hmm. so I, I I just didn't care anymore. But what you're saying, like that idea of something always plagued you with what what will happen? What is the truth? Like I I really do wonder, like like I would say there was a time where I don't think I was a Christian, but I. I really do still question that today. Like what, with what you're just saying, it seems I can, I, I just can relate to that so clearly because I felt like I could never get away from Jesus. I felt like I tried as hard as I could. And like, there's this idea of that same idea of like uh, talking about life and the meaning of life and going through all the different religions. And, and, you know, maybe there's a bunch of ways to heaven or what is it? And there's this idea of, wait, uh, there is a point where I, I really do believe it. There's God in me. And I got to figure that out. Like, do, do you think, do you believe that there was a time where you and God were done? Is it that cut and dry? Yeah, I didn't believe in God, and then all of a sudden I did, or was it always a journey that God was there? Well, I uh, I know that God was always there now on on this end of the spectrum. Um, about my belief, I wonder now if I had if I was always just shedding because when I ended up having an encounter with God and realizing there's a God, um, and I started to read the Bible, everything I read in there would about things that it just felt like it described everything that I hated was things that God hated too. (laughs) And everything that I thought I was rebelling against, um, that I was saying was God was really, or was what people said was God, um, was really the things that God hates and rebels against. Just like it's just, he had the same heart about it. And in the end, my search for justice was really never satisfied until I really encountered God and and learned about Him. And even when I read about the good things, you know, things that God God is, they were always things that I ser- was searching for. And that's so, what justice is the word that that jumps out to me so you you think that before you understood the bible or read it or knew that specifically you just didn't you think that christians themselves we have do a bad job of representing what justice ought to look like well i also judged christians uh-huh. i mean I, I had to see them through my own my own shame and of being what i what i perceived they didn't think i should be you know even just from growing up without my father you know my father was in prison ended up finding out later he actually died when I was 16 but I didn't know it till later um because I never met him but he was also in prison when I was younger and just all the things they talked about um seemed to be them pointing the finger at my family and me and um and just feeling like uh I don't know just when I read about Jesus I, I read so much about how in the Bible, just about how he really did, didn't sound like that at all. You know, that he never, he never said anything that would make me feel the way that I felt when I walked into a church setting. Yeah. When you're in a one-on-one conversation with um, someone coming from where you used to be like a, an atheist and they say, Lacey bullshit, like look at all the evil that's in the world right now don't tell me that god hates this stuff if he hated it he'd do something about it mm-hmm. i mean how how do you i mean do you do you go there with people i mean do you or yeah, you know, well, how do you handle this i'm learning how to uh, just wait and see what is this the right thing is the right time to talk right now and should i say anything about this or what is it really the heart of hearts of what they're searching for and do i yeah. answer the words or do i answer the heart and 
what's actually going to help and what's not going to help. And I never thought about that before. I would just tell people the truth and they just sort it out. You know, they hate me. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, but now I kind of feel like, I'm learning about kindness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go not, figure. <laughs> um, that's probably because I have children and I want them to be kind. And <laughs> well, it's, it's crazy. Kind. I mean, I think, I think what you're saying is bringing up such a paramount issue in the church right now. And it's what's more important to tell the truth or to put love before the truth. And it seems if you read the Bible, it says that love is the most important thing. Now, obviously at some point love is incomplete if if you're not, you know, giving the whole picture, but some people are just like, okay, no, here's where the church stands and you need to tell people and you need to make it clear so they know and we can just draw that line and uh, it's just like, man, can we can we leave that behind and put put love first? So, yeah. like to today, are you are you a happy person? Do you feel mm-hmm. like it's important for Christians to be happy? No. <laughs> I, I I think that there is a good <laughs> I think there's a good melancholy that maybe is godly. I mean, Jesus was a man of sorrows, and I think there is some people who have that. Uh, they're weeping prophets, and that's okay. Yeah. And I think, after you know, like he asked me if I struggled with suicide after I became a Christian, and the answer is yes, very much, and even more yeah. sometimes. Um, and I would write on my wrists, your life is not your own. You were bought with yeah. a price. Hey, Lacey, <laughs> let me stop you there. So, yeah, I was interested to get to that, too, and I'm glad we've got some of the backstory. So Joey asked you, do you, are there people are you depressed or suicidal which i imagine some of that stuff's in your book so we want everybody to check out the book it's called the reason but um i'm delighted to hear you say that because I, I i was afraid that that you're an asshole no, what's wrong with you, you know, let me finish <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. I, no, I'm, I'm really <laughs> delighted to hear that because I, I when we were going to do to do this interview i was afraid that it was going to be the kind of thing where you said life was bad then i got saved life is good or kind of mm-hmm. thing because we, we encounter that so much mm-hmm. and so just to, I'm, I'm excited to go farther into that we can spend a little time here if if, if that's okay with you are you yeah. So go further into that. You were suicidal some before you became a Christian, and you say you are s- still sometimes are, or even more so now. Well, no, I'm not now. I okay. Mean, um, I haven't thought about that actually since I got married, which I don't think it was because of my husband, but I think it's because of something that that process has has done in me that's been really healing. Um, in but after health. becoming a Christian, though. Well, after becoming a Christian, I definitely struggled daily, um, and and I think it was interesting to, to to be at a place where you don't care if you live or die, and then meet Jesus, um, you know, because I talk about that too a little bit in my book, just about how um, about how when you're at a place where you don't care if you live or die, you can give up everything and start over, and you have no concept of you know what life is supposed to be or gonna be. You know, you have this feeling of like, this is what flyleaf comes into play. It's like a flyleaf is a blank page. And, and that's kind of what it is. It's it's like, a, I don't have any plans for my life. Um, so I'm ready to die. So what do you want to do with my life? And I, and I go through that process with God in the book, you know, where I talk about how the first thing he wanted me to learn about was that he loved me. And at the same time, he also wanted me to learn that he loved people. And what that looks like, because I had hated people and hated myself. That's awesome. You know, we've talked a lot about uh, depression on here, just because a lot of people know that I struggle with depression. I 
um, you know, talked about how I've wanted to die myself before. And I, I think it's just, I, I think that some people think that attitude is honestly a sin, uh, to be quite honest with you. I think mm-hmm. some people would hear you say, no, it's okay. Uh, we need to be true to ourselves. Some people would say, well, that's, you know, that's kind of pushing back on what Jesus did. Jesus died. So you'd be free from that. And, uh, it's just crazy. I don't know where people get that sort of thing from, but uh, I, I know this and, and that's a lot of people listening are, are just encouraged by you being, you know, open enough to, to share that. I mean, that's just, that's just I, I actually think people are scared when you say something like that, like, yeah, I'm a Christian and I struggle with depression or I just, I struggle with a sin and it's ongoing. Like it, it, it should be a thing where Jesus is so strong, he fixes it immediately, but that is not how anything works. Like I, I remember so for so long, people used to say, well, you said the, the Lord, you know, you said the prayer of salvation and now you're saved and now you're not going to sin anymore. Yeah. And then, then you had to hide all your sin. And it's just really scary because I think people uh, equate it. Like if you have ongoing sin, then you, uh, then God's not as powerful. But what it really shows is that you always need a savior your entire life from, mm-hmm. from day zero to day, the last day you live on this earth. You always, everybody on earth needs a savior. Right. You just have to have that. You're never going to over, overcome it all. You just can't. And going back to that question you had that really kind of struck me, Joy, when you were asking her about uh, uh, what, would, what would you tell an atheist that goes, no, look at all this bad stuff. I really believe the only bad stuff I've ever seen, only documented stuff I've ever seen was always human. I have never actually seen God do anything but love. Yeah, but and someone someone no. would easily respond by saying, "Toby, you wouldn't let Ruby beat the hell out of Ike." I mean, you'd if stop. you could stop. If Ike was trying to kill her, <laughs> what if Ike lost his mind? Was trying to kill my well, dog? Well, you'd stop Ike. I mean, I would, yeah, I would try you to do would stuff. Intervene, yes. So. No, no, yeah, yes, I, I would intervene if. But but that's going by Toby's morals, not God's morals. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I mean, God loved the world so much that He said, "Hey, I want you to know what love I mean, is." I, you know, I'm with you. I'm just saying. That's but I mean, what... yeah. But it, but but people want to act like that sin, like we it, we can conquer it on our own or something. Like, there's only three people ever that knew no sin. It was Jesus who knew none, and then Adam and Eve who knew no sin and then knew sin, and we're like, "Oh man, we screwed up." And then oh, our and oh, then crap. our pastor Greg, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. But I. That, I, I agree with Matt, Lacey. Thank you so much. I love the idea that we can be Christians and we have ongoing battles and it's okay to talk about. We look down on somebody because they can't get healed. And the truth is, um, in the end, we live in a world that's fallen. We live in a place that's full of sin and we struggle every day in working out what it means that we're saved. Yeah. What does it mean for me yeah. today? Um, does it mean I need to learn how to give you thanks even though I'm sick? Or does it mean that I need to, must you know, to, to renew my mind and have more faith and get healed. <laughs> like, what does that mean? I don't know. Right. I think it's different every day and different for where we're at. And it's all about our heart. So we haven't really got to talk about music much and we don't have you on <laughs> here much longer, but uh, it is really cool. Like, I mean, with Flyleaf, you seriously huge band to be in. And like uh, you guys got to tour with some of the biggest bands in the world. I, I imagine. Right. Well, we got to play a few shows with like with bands that, you know, that I would never imagine I would ever meet in person. Like who? Metallica. No way. Really? Yeah. yeah. We we I saw <laughs> I saw James Hetfield in the in the uh, it was at Download Fest in England. I never uh-huh. met him, but I think one of my our drummer went and met, met him. But but I saw him in there with his family, and he prayed before he ate, and I thought, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> that's cool. And so uh, 
So you, so you're not with Flyleaf anymore, and now you're moving on, and now you have a solo project. Is that right? Yeah, we we we've been writing music. My husband plays guitar, and we just we never stopped writing music. We just never thought we'd tour again. But then we got asked to do this tour where I went and told my story, pretty much what I talk about in the book, and play a couple songs. And we really felt like we needed to do it, even though we never thought we would do that kind of thing. And we brought my two-week-old son on the road, and it was so easy. And I got more time with my family. I didn't have a house to clean or meals to fix. And it was actually easier touring. <laughs> That's know? interesting. Yeah. What's your son's name? I have a three-year-old named Joshua Lewis and my one-year-old's Arrow David. Awesome. So are you guys going to tour as a family again, you think? Well, we just did one. I mean, we just did a week over on the West Coast, and um, it was pretty neat. Uh, we played a couple dingy clubs, a college campus, and we did a, um, a Will Franklin Gra- or a BGA, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association event with Will Graham. We did it for the troops. Lacey, I, I, we touched on it a little bit at the beginning but i have a couple more questions just as in from your point of view is uh like for instance like we said we've only had this is only the third female we've had on our on our show do you think that we should in the like the music industry or the entertainment industry or what we're doing here that we should be actively trying to force more females into positions should, should we have more female guests should our show be 50 mm. 50 for instance mm. No, I think it should just be natural. But my, I heard my bass player say one time that my, my presence in the band kept the band from becoming a pirate ship in a way. And so perhaps it might bring balance, but I'm not sure if that's what you want. Yeah, that's what I wonder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is what responsibility people have. Like Jerry Seinfeld has a show, Comedians Getting Coffee in Cars, and he pretty much has only had on, they say, old uh, you know, white men, and he says, <laughs> he says about that. He says, I don't care about anything but funny, and I only bring on the people that I think are funny, and mm-hmm. so that's the only people I would have on the show. So why would I have somebody, <laughs> anybody else on? So people take that, you know, people take that and say, well, that's sexist. That you're saying that other people, you know, other people or, or girls aren't funny or whatever. So I'm not saying that, but why would why wouldn't I just have on my show who I want to? But yes. I, I don't know if that's a responsible approach or not. I'm just curious from your point of view because we almost always have guys on the show because either somebody we're interested in or somebody we know, but maybe we're being short-sighted there. What do you think? Well, I think it's sexist to balance it out but just because we're mm-hmm. having this person on because they're a girl. Right. Yeah, I think so too, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just thankful you wanted to talk to me, and I'm glad that I could be the token girl. But You're not time, the token really- girl. You're, a, <laughs> you're, you're a, a respected person that our audience cares about who's an accomplished musician and has a lot of good stories. So that's why you're well, on the show. Well, thank you. No, but I'm just joking. But I just feel like um, personally I think you should just do what – just do whatever you feel like. I mean, be free. I think when we get it up, caught up in all that, we lose our freedom, you know, to, to, and that's what brought us to the place of where people want to listen in the first place was, so I don't know. Well, you hey, heard well, it here. Lacey said, be free. It, that means sexuality or drugs or anything. <laughs> Thank you, Lacey. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. <laughs> hey, Lacey, I don't know if you, you, you probably don't know this, but we're, we're releasing a book next month and it's called the M word. And, uh, basically how it came about was Matt shared, sh- Matt, <laughs> Matt shared a post, uh, on our blog and it was about, uh, his sexual struggles and, and basically had the word masturbation in the title. And, 
a girl commented and said, hey, don't don't forget us girls. We struggle with the same thing because Matt was speaking from a guy's perspective and probably said some things where it was assuming that this was just a guy thing. So Matt immediately responded and said, hey, well, we want to we want to hear from you guys. Email us and tell us your story. So we got at least eight or nine very solid, just unbelievable stories. And then we got their permission. We're releasing it in a book. Um, we, it, I don't think there's anything else out there like that. And so mm-hmm. do you think that's an encouraging thing for your, you know, female gender team there to, to have that yeah. out there? Well, um, I guess, you know, I think that what that, that girl emailing you to say that, I think that's just smart that that you listen to the fact that girls struggle with sexual issues the same as guys. And I think it's hard to, to deal with that in this generation that maybe more than any, because everything's so accessible and and we have such pressure as girls to be men. (laughs) Lacey, is it your experience with the, with the people? And I know a lot of females and girls look up to you and talk to you. Is it your experience that, that girls are struggling with lust and pornography and masturbation and stuff like that? Is that conversations you have with other girls? Yeah. Well, um, sexuality is, is, uh, is totally uh, the way the church has talked about it. I've never heard anybody talk about it in a, in a, in a way that's relevant to our generation across the board. I mm-hmm. mean, especially for women, for women is what I mean. Um, they, they talk about, they talk about all those issues with men. I, there's, there's a great blog post actually on this girl's website. This is a new artist um, yeah. called Savannah, Savannah Ellis. Savannah Ellis. And she's a, she's a great singer and she has great music, but she wrote a blog post about it, about how, she was in church and all the girls went to one room and they talked about emotions and all the boys went to another room and they talked about pornography. And, and then she talks about her issue with pornography. And she's like, nobody told me out that um, I needed to be careful about that. And it was, she's a long struggle for her. So she's just talking about it openly online because she has no record label telling her that she needs to talk about this or that. <laughs> so she's free <laughs> to talk about it or whatever. So you guys, that's, that goes back to you guys being free, but yes, absolutely it's a good thing to acknowledge that I think girls are more the pursuers. I feel like girls have, I mean, maybe it is balanced now, but growing up, I always heard that men were the ones, ones you need to watch out for. But what I saw growing up was the girls were the ones you need to watch out for. Yeah. Well, what a great way to end the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Any, any other questions? Do you want to talk about anything else? All right. Well, thank you so much, Lacey. We sure do appreciate you joining us. Uh, you guys that are listening, please check out our book. It's called The Reason. Um, it is a great read. I've been able to flip through some of the pages and already uh, just am kind of captivated by some of your story. And, and it goes a lot deeper, obviously, than what we've said here on the podcast. So please check that out. And uh, if you hear about her band, Lacey Touring. It's just a solo project, with, and but there is a band. My friends are playing with me and my husband. Lacey, I mean this in all sincerity. I don't know if it means anything coming from what Matt and Toby would just call a fat slob like myself, but this really <laughs> was an awesome interview. I appreciate your openness. Like, uh, we don't get that from everyone. And, uh, so we're super appreciative and we know this, uh, podcast is gonna be encouraging to other people. And it was very entertaining. Yeah. So Joey sat here. up the entire time. Usually he <laughs> lays down. I'm not kidding either. Lacey, he la- actually lays down. That's and this time true. he sat, <laughs> the, he sat up the entire time. I don't so listen to him. Uh, 
Well, awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. We sure do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye, Lacey. All right. Bye. All right, let's give it up for Lacey one more time. Matt, you got the sound effects. We need them. They're just awesome. They add so much and juice. thank you, Lacey. Yes. Man. Yay. Yay. Do you think it would be do you think it would be awesome to do the podcast in the middle of a stadium like that with that kind of applause? Can you picture it? <sighs> 80,000 people all around us sitting at a little table right in the middle of a field and people just cheering and laughing for minutes at a time when you make a joke that what's be- the chance that we one day will be the halftime show of the super bowl <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a podcast episode <laughs> we are the halftime show <laughs> that would be amazing pretty sure that's going to happen i just keep believing it i'm just going to keep you on just believing. keep on believing if you have the faith it could i mean yeah all you listeners out there just really call your you know local sports organizations and get them to let us be the halftime shows <laughs> <laughs> let's start small we'll do a live podcast at a halftime show of a high school football game <laughs> <laughs> we could throw in the national anthem too that's true hey you Devin and, and I saying that yeah you yeah. and Devin did the national anthem of the Charleston River Dogs yep it was awesome up. too we still have a video of that you know what's really funny is like our uh you know our parents don't necessarily listen to our music they don't really I mean they're maybe proud of all the stuff we've done for sure, but they just think, you know, especially Devin and I, that our voices were pretty and why we do screaming and heavy music and stuff like that. But uh, Devin's family, that's the most they ever praised him and talked about his musical talent <laughs> when he sang the national anthem at the River Dogs game. Like they, did, they, went, they never, you know, they never said much about all the years in Emory and stuff, but they, they saw the YouTube video of us yeah. singing. Oh, Devin, your voice is amazing. Oh, you are so talented. So they were proud of him when he made All-State Chorus when he was 17, and that was a big deal. And then he did some other stuff for about 10 years that was not good. <laughs> and then he did that national anthem and he's back yeah. i mean i mean the walls there was the walls video they could have watched on youtube but yeah that national anthem that you did sing at the river dogs game that was unbelievable <laughs> hey matt i was in a uh commercial what do you mean and i and i pretended to be a car mechanic oh i saw advertising it. Yeah. a car product and the <laughs> hilarious thing about that is i know nothing about cars i didn't even know some of the terminology i was using but I pulled it off. Well, I'll, I'm going to put it on Facebook tomorrow. Oh, so that'd be hilarious! To, yeah, yeah, he, 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 yeah. Of course, that's great publicity. Well, for them. I, well, the only question I have about that: Will anybody be mad that they go? Oh, that's not a real because you say my customers. Well, we know it co- it's oh, just commercial yeah. acting. I mean, nobody in any commercial is real except for that Papa John's owner. I think that's Papa John. Oh, that guy. But yeah. he, he's pretty awesome. But you know, I, I think it's all. Uh, you know, I think it's all commercial actors. There's nobody real. Did you just do it as a favor? They pay you. I know it was a paid job, and they said I got the job for future uh, commercials. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. So you're always going to be a fake mechanic. Yeah. (laughs) You look like a mechanic in it. I mean, you really are in the entertainment business now, buddy. Podcast, commercial acting. Hey, Bad Christian got me there, so thank you guys. Man, you are moving on. What next? (laughs) Deodorant, condoms. <laughs> hey, I meant to tell y'all this. Uh, I, this is this is this one's really good. The uh, I was at, went to the grocery store the other day and I walked. So I came out of the uh, walking into the grocery store and there was tr- a bunch of traffic. So there was a bunch of cars lining up to get out and they couldn't get out. So I was walking past the parked cars and there was a, a window down, and I walked past this car. There's a lady in it in probably her I'd say late sixties age. 
And I recognized her because I think she used to go to Mars Hill. And I'd, I'd seen her before. I knew I'd recognized her. I looked at her and I said, hey, hey, or I waved, you know, at her or something like that because I thought I knew her. And she, and she looked at me kind of confused for a second. And she said, she's in her car, she says, hey, she said, are you, are you Matt with the radio thing? <laughs> and I said, uh, what? I said, she says, uh, she just looked really confused. I said, uh, I said, well, I, I have a podcast. And she looked with eyes squinted. She goes, yeah, yeah. And then she drove away. <laughs> I promise didn't say anything else just like look confused and irritated and then drove away <laughs> so I mean so she was just asking you like she didn't know you from church or she I, get, I mean she I mean I think she knew she recognized me that she had seen me at church and she had heard that I I mean she's listened to the podcast is what I'm saying or she knows oh, about gosh. it and then knew that that was me and had heard it and was just kind of expressing you know somewhat of she didn't seem to like it too much but she was just affirmed that, oh that's you that one that talks on the radio dirty and then drove away <laughs> i mean that I, that may not be what it was but that's what i took from it she's like yeah and then she once she figured out that was i'm that guy basically is what moment i, she I would had. love to know the, the more we should do that Dude, I'd love to know more demographics of like how many folks like over sixty five have been listening. That, that's to our what I'm saying. There's a like six. Disgusting. I got recognized by a sixty something year old woman for the podcast. <laughs> not for Emory not or from going to church for the, for yeah. the radio thing. That <laughs> <you do. laughs> they they didn't even know to call it a podcast. <laughs> no, she. Uh, and then my parents continue to insist that they don't listen after they tell me something they heard us say on the podcast, and then insist <laughs> they don't listen every time. Well, that's because they heard you one time say that you wish they didn't listen. And they I, I do so wish much they, they don't want to. They said, uh, "Buddy said, uh, I, you know, I heard you say on the podcast the other day something or another." I thought he said on that blog. No, but this is <laughs> the other day he said that, and he goes, "You know, I don't ever listen to your your podcast, but I heard it on the other day, and you know, you, I heard you say so and so, whatever." And she, he said, "Your mama, she listens to it all the time," and she she goes, "No, I don't." <laughs> From the background, she said, "No, I don't." <laughs> Well, one thing that I think everybody likes listening to, for sure, is the new classic crime in King's Kaleidoscope. That's right, yes, too. that that for sure. But, Joey, you just want to listen to some tracks instead of do news today? No. We could just guys. listen to King's Kaleidoscope for the next 15 minutes. Hold that'd, on. That'd be that, a dream come true. Not not for every person Suc with their heart beating in the world. <laughs> truth seekers? Truth oh. seekers? Yeah. They can't <laughs> find the truth. truth in King's Kaleidoscope's lyrics? Yes, they can, but there's an appropriate time for everything, and that's not right now. You know what time it is right now. Yeah, I was just setting you up, Joey. I'm I'm way into the news. And Toby, I, I just wanna <laughs> let you know that I don't you don't just anchor you're not just a news anchor to me. You're like an anchor in my life. Wow. Matt, you know what I'm Matt, 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 I really Matt, appreciate what's it. What's wrong with you? Matt, I just really appreciate it. Toby's your not only yeah, he's not only my news anchor, he's my life anchor. And I appreciate it. That's really Matt, cool, what's dude. wrong with you? All right, here we go. Matt, you got a problem. You really have a problem, man. In a world where Matt where when has a damn problem. In a world where your best friend tells you how bad he has depression and his belly is hanging out during <laughs> that. My name is Toby Morell and I'm here with the damn news. This is the damn news. This is the damn news with Toby Morell. I'm to give, Toby Morell. I do have to give it to you. There's no other news anchor that says here's the damn news. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I stumbled across, across the story, this first story, and I thought it was really interesting. Uh, 
it's from Gawker and trusted uh, source. It, yep. And a man faked a coma for two years. I thought it was really interesting. All right. Explain. A con, a con artist who pretended to be in a coma every time he wanted to get out of court apparently managed to keep the charade going for more than two years. Police in South Wales say 47-year-old Alan Knight, who had also been illegally living off benefits by pretending to be a quadriplegic, <laughs> had spent about three years conning uh, his neighbor out of $65,000 when he came up on their radar. He told authorities he had injured his spine in a garage door accident, paralyzing him from the neck down and causing seizures that occasionally put him into a coma. His wife played along with the charade, caring for him at the hospital and pushing his wheelchair into court. But the imaginative con man got busted after the court was presented with uh, footage of Knight, an unparalyzed, very much awake, driving and shopping at a supermarket. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He well, did, he pulled that off for two years. You mean Gosh. he didn't he didn't like lay in the bed for two years? He just went. No, it was right, right, right. Every time they wanted him to do a court appearance, he would pretend he was in a coma, and, and because that was he, that was one of his fake symptoms from his spinal injury, because he was also pretending to be a quadriplegic. I just I just can't believe. I mean, for two years though, I mean that guy did it. You know what yeah, I mean? It worked pretty good. <laughs> like I mean, part of me's like, man. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's really crazy that you could pull that off. Like, I mean, I just can't imagine every, <laughs> like, I was thinking when I was reading this, is there a time where, like, he had to lay still for 10 minutes while people came in the room? Yeah, and definitely. He just pre- you know what I mean? He just pretended to be out. Isn't that insane? I mean, he really he really pulled it off. I mean, I know he's got caught now, and he's probably, it doesn't say how long he's going to be. Well, again, trouble, but. I would say that it's just one of those things, like we talk about a lot, the only reason this guy got caught is because of the surveillance technology. So throughout history, we can only assume that this has been done thousands of times. Oh, but, I know. Because right. you didn't get busted by a surveillance <laughs> camera or somebody saw you or tweeted that you're cheating on your spouse or whatever it is, you know, like where you are. So that stuff is very interesting to me because as the society and the technology progresses there's going to be less and less secrets and s- lies right yeah we're going to yeah. lie less in the future is that true well i don't think well so. will will our lying evolve more. or adapt will we be able to figure out ways in and out of of that but I the mean, technology also will increase like uh, some people talk about it but what about the the notion that technology will be so good that uh you'll be able to read people and lie detection like be- could become technology or even shared uh software where you know, people could tell if you're lying or not, for instance. Like, what if everybody's wearing go- something like Google Glasses or contact lens that if you were dishonest, it would light up, and we all agreed to wear it, because why wouldn't you wear it if you're not going to lie? So are we facing a future where lying might become impossible? I don't think so. I think we'll always find a way to do bad and get away with things. I just think, I mean, because the reason why I say that is because technology has been improving for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And years. And so, okay, well, look years, at so. look at X three watch. What if well, there was what if lying, which is a big problem for people and Christians? What if somebody develops a software that indicates lying, and then you can essentially we say you could self report, right? You so you sign up for it. So anytime you lie, Toby and I, Toby and Joey, y'all get a report that the person has lied. What if the technology gets to that point? I think you'll be able to articulate certain ways to where you can't get caught. Politicians do it all the time. They're in front of people lying all the time. Like, and w- they wouldn't do it we insist that, that, that politicians do, like, were the devices then? If there was lie detection, uh, in- software integration. All right. 
here's my next story that I think is is pretty interesting. And oh, uh, I thought it was just I thought you went to one one news story, uh, a podcast. Okay, this comes from the Huffington Post. Sex in ocean sucks in worst way imaginable. <laughs> this is a pr- public service annou- announcement. Quit having sex in the ocean. Water isn't even a good isn't even a good lubricant, you guys. Not to mention it's all salty, and you know that fish swim there. Oh, and there's always a very real chance that your genitals will get stuck together via suction. (laughs) That seems to be the case for an Italian couple looking to spice up their love life. And Il Matino, oh wait, I'm sorry, Il Matino reported that as the couple began having sex in the ocean, they became suctioned together and unable to separate. Dang. (laughs) It says the the couple uh, stayed out in the water for a while until they were eventually able to flag down a woman walking on the beach who was able to give... Oh my the, gosh! The beast with two backs, a towel to cover. Up. Oh my, a beast with two backs. <laughs> oh, a my doctor gosh. was called, and they were taken to a hospital emergency room. There, the woman was given an injection, usually used to dilate the uterus for of pregnant women, in order to untangle the couple. Is that pitocin? You think? Yeah, I think you're right. I, it doesn't say, but I mean that is just. This isn't even the first report from this uh, this year that this happened. In July, a couple in Zimbabwe were stuck together for seven hours and ah. only un- unlocked with the help of the man's father. It, I mean, oh this boy. happens. I've seen dogs. I've Can seen you a dog. imagine your dad having to separate you and Jessica's genitals? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. My dad's coming to town this weekend. I dad. pray to God that doesn't happen. Dad! Dad! <laughs> <laughs> that would be so uncomfortable but i don't understand matt you're our science guy the suction how, how does that suction keep a penis inside of a vagina no so what probably happens there is uh you, you know there's the probably your vagina was full of water salt water oh man that's too graphic and Come then on. and then <laughs> too much dude then he he yeah. goes in there and then the the water is how much water out. had to be in her vagina? Just just a little bit. <laughs> just enough to make a seal, you see? So there's air in there, and then they there's just There's a seal in there? <laughs> oh, no, my God. That's a lot of water. It's like a syringe. Like a lot of water. Are there any walruses in there, too? There's a dolphin. No, look, look. Uh, Damn right. tuna fish swimming around. Y'all shut up. Let me explain it. I imagine you have a, a, one of those syringes you pull up water with, right? Yep. Okay. Now, imagine you put your thumb over the tip that's supposed to draw the water up and you try to pull the back of the syringe out. It won't right. come out. Right, the water won't come out. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. The the plug, you push it into the syringe and then you pull back on it and it pulls up water, right? Yes. Okay, so now if you plug up the front of it where it's supposed to suck up the water and then try to pull the plunger back out, it won't come out. The The water has to go in to replace where the, you pull the plunger back, so it makes a vacuum seal. And the rubber gasket seals around the inside of that cylinder. So if the penis is in there, the wiener's in there, and it's make a seal, you can't pull it back out. Why did you feel the need to? <laughs> it sounded too technical to say penis. <laughs> so I went Matt with wiener. said, so when the penis is in there, when the wiener's. <laughs> it's like trying to pull the plunger out of a syringe that's stopped up on the other end. We basically just want to do a plug for not having sex in the ocean. <laughs> Do y'all not understand my illustration? Yeah, I do. I guess I don't. I keep thinking about a plugged it's, <laughs> genitals. You know a s- syringe with a rubber gasket inside the plunger, and you pull it back, and it draws water into it. Yes. If the top front of that where it's supposed to suck up the water was closed off, 
Yes. Then that's what you'd be left with. Right. You wouldn't be able to pull the plunger out unless there's something able to go back in to replace it. And when you have sex in the open air, as you pull out the wiener, air can go in to replace the wiener. But in the underwater, there's no air to rush in there to replace it. And water is more difficult to, to do so. So you get stuck. So even if his penis became non-erect he couldn't slip slide a little bit with lotion or lubricant no no there's there's the penis is not going to become unerect because of the pr- suction pressure on it it just keeps all the blood so he, stuff in so there. they were probably also in pain a little bit oh a lot yeah same thing happens to dogs they get stuck all right my last story here today oh no no, no we don't need another one that was good no we got one more okay uh i believe this comes from gawker as well um nebraska teens can take their guns to school for picture day now High school students in Nebraska are finally free to take the yearbook photos they've dreamed of but dared not ask for, namely tasteful photographs of them posing with firearms. The Broken Bow School District in rural Nebraska unanimously voted to allow the teens to take gun glamour shots after receiving complaints from parents. you got to be kidding the me. The school district superintendent told the o- Omaha World Herald, because Omaha is all about the world, Omaha and the world, that the board wanted the teens to be able to express themselves by showcasing their hobbies in the yearbook. The gun picks are okay as long as they're tastefully done, says administrator, administrators at Broken Bow High School. Home, as of, the fighting, the, I'm home of the really, fighting Indians. I really, really, really want the outtakes of the non-approved ones that were not tastefully done. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's like one, a kid holding the gun to his yeah, forehead like, and in his mouth yeah. and just pointing it at another kid. <laughs> How do you take a tasteful gun pick? It's just like holding it in your arms, I guess. I mean, like a military pick. I guess, you know, people have guns. But, yeah, I just it, it is really crazy. I mean, I would say guns in school probably don't mix. <laughs> Whoa, bold <laughs> statement. I mean, go put yourself out on a limb there. Just don't do it. Man, you, you got to watch out with those controversial points I of view. 